Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast presents a uh, nice little uh, sub-series that we got going on where we talk to uh, other like-minded creators such as ourselves, people who love D&D and can't help but to create stuff for it. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. And we are sitting with the folks from Tabletop Journeys. Say hello. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to order you. I usually go in, <laughs> in clockwise order based on how my Zoom appears. But um, I'm going to let y'all handle it. I'm going to like I'm going to do the Joker from Dark Knight, break a pool cue, and let y'all figure it out. <laughs> we we have a pretty standard order on how this goes around. We've we've been around the bush a little bit here. Okay, uh, but y'all I, probably got it figured out better yeah, than we well, do. Y'all do your Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm one of the co-hosts uh, from Tabletop Journeys, and very happy to be here. And I'm Leonika, another one of the co-hosts from Tabletop Journeys. Also happy to be here. Ecstatic, one might say. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. And I'm Glenn, the final host of Tabletop Journeys. And uh, yeah, 
you know what? I'm probably happy to be here too, but just to be original, I'll say, uh, no, I'm good. I don't need to be original. <laughs> Originality. <laughs> Who wants that in D and D? Exactly. Yeah. But no, like that's exactly uh, your your modest operandi. That's uh, that's what mm-hmm. uh, what tabletop journey specializes in. You have a podcast, and we'll definitely talk about yes. that. Yeah. Uh, you've had one successful Kickstarter for um, you had a, a collection of subclasses. And you are about to launch a second Kickstarter. And that's really what we're here to talk about. So why we're absolutely. here. That's why we're here. That's why we're all sitting that's what here. That's we're doing. I'm sitting here eating yeah. burgers and talking d and I'm sitting <laughs> Ooh, here burgers. drinking Mountain Dew and talking yeah. D&D, which is... Of course you're drinking at, Mountain Dew. At any given time, if you ask anyone, what is Sergio doing right now? Chances He's probably are, drinking Mountain Dew. Drinking yeah. Mountain Dew and talking about D&D. <laughs> Nice, nice. I see your computer and... programmer also. That's like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh no, yes, that's what's up. Leonik is still in it, and I used to be. I actually yeah. got off my Mountain Dew habit, went to a support group, you know, oh. did all the things. Twitter, <laughs> and, right and finally dump. cut it out about five years ago. But I don't know. Leonik is a, a Mountain Dew trash baby, much like myself. Game recognized yeah. game, sir. I'm actually drinking a, a Mountain Dew Spark. Oh, nice. That nice. actually used to be how I got extra experience and, and uh, goodies in the game was when yeah. Lewanika was running is I'd bring him a bottle of Mountain Dew. He is oh, not yeah. about bribery. It's true. I, I, I am totally about bribery. By the way, burgers also worked. I okay. mean, okay. I, okay. I'm i just saying that I'm, I'm not particularly picky. I might be able to well, arrange something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any DM that is that is a, you know, isn't above bribery, is I, I can't trust. <laughs> Well, if they're if you're a DM and you're above bribery, are you really a DM? Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I, 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 I don't mean to fun shame. I mean everybody needs no, no, to no. do their own thing. But at the same time, but are are you really? I mean, are you really? Everybody has a price. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah, sure. has a price. Yeah, mine, mine just, just ha- happens to be sour candy and Dr Pepper. Yeah, my mine is uh, affectionately handled with uh, tasty meats, uh, mm. blue, blue cheese crumbles, and a little blue cheese sauce. Uh, mm, you know, okay. maybe maybe some onions on that, or you know, I I'm, 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 I I love a blue burger. I really yeah, do. You, love you, a you got him burger. under burgers now. He's gonna have to actually step out of the recording. Gonna need him. He's gonna get the. I'm just in. eating fast food like Brahms burgers, like <laughs> face model hamburgers. These aren't yeah. homemade or anything. This is food i could put in this time yes yeah. no D lorecast presents come for the homebrew stay for the food talk stay for the food <laughs> look we talked about we've talked about tamales on here we have talked yeah. about salsa we have talked about all kinds of foods so well come for the homebrew stay for the home cooking hey, yeah that's a, that's a better tagline that's why you yeah, that's are creating content yeah. <laughs> and we're just talking about it and we're just talking about it. exactly this is what i do this it's is what our I show. do. We, we wind up talking about the weather at the beginning of our show every week. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, food would be a much better topic of conversation, I think. Uh, we tried to get off the weather for a while, it but just that turned into work. a whole separate yeah. thing that became state of the table <laughs> yeah, as right. a separate entity. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, being both of us being in Texas, it's, uh, mm-hmm. weather became a stalwart topic of conversation over yeah. the past few months. We actually had an entire series, uh, <laughs> where we covered each layer of hell, each layer of Bator. The, uh, hotter than the nine yep. hells because that's how it felt that's what, what it felt that's like what we the summer was gonna be anyway a little summer yeah so, so my entire only family been... is from texas my mother's family my father's family all of it within oh. two hours of dallas most of them um and there's a reason i live in new england <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, I, it's unbearable 
I, I've only been to Texas one time, and uh, while I enjoyed my trip, and your state is lovely, there is no stinking way I could ever live there <laughs> with the temperatures I felt, and it was like February or something. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. Mm. I'm out. <laughs> I'm yeah, out. I can't, yeah. I can't hang. I just bananas. can't hang. There, there <laughs> have been some Christmas mornings where I've walked out in like t-shirt and shorts yeah, and somewhere there it's a, it's a white Christmas. Like, there's snow on the ground and mm-hmm. there's, there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> Anywhere yeah. in between. It's the hot is fine. It's just when the hot reaches the point of being oppressive and it carries weight because yeah. I can deal with hot. Hot's going to happen. Summer's going to happen, whatever. So you mean anything over 80, like half the year for Texas? <laughs> no, it's like, so there's a dividing line would for be me delightful. personally. Yeah. The I can tolerate this to no zone is somewhere between 92 and 96. Ah, somewhere in that on. region, it stops being tolerable as a human being for me. I am, I am firmly team summer. The weather can't be warm enough, you know, which of course is why I live in Maine, where it's winter for six months out of the year. So it's, you know. Yeah, but, but, why would I rethink that, my friend? That's I, fair point. I, I, I hear it's hotter than the nine hells in Texas during the summer, yeah. but... <laughs> So you yeah. mentioned you 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 start off uh, your show usually talking about weather. Let's talk about your show. What is yeah. the podcast yeah. Tabletop Journeys about? Sure. Well, Go ahead, Luna. Yeah. yeah. So I'll jump in. Uh, Tabletop Journeys uh, really started out as a way for Josh and myself. And very shortly after, like within a few weeks, we started talking to Glenn. And within a month or so, Glenn joined us. Uh, mm-hmm. But it really started out as a way for us to have the same kinds of conversations we used to have together Generally, on other people's couches, we'd go to a party or go hang at a hangout with a bunch of friends. And at some point, we would gravitate to, to together and we'd just start talking game theory, game craft, uh, the last game we played or what have you. And we would regale all of those present, whether they wanted to or not, with uh, our thoughts and, and theories on, on tabletop gaming and gaming in general. And so we really just spent a lot of time in our college years doing that, talking about these things building good games, running good games, whether it be live action LARPs for large numbers of people or smaller games. And I say smaller, I'm talking like eight to 10 people at a, at a game table. Cause we tend to run larger game tables than is. Standard. I like four to six. I like four to six. I'm going to come off uh, saying that Lee likes 10 to 12. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm 10 to 12. Like- uh, I'll settle for eight, but I, I, I do like that larger Ooh. number. Uh, but, you know, we just started having these conversations and uh, sometime uh, just as the pandemic, uh, about a half a year into the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. Josh and I, who had talked about various podcasts for years on different topics, said we should do a podcast, but we're not going to do any of that boring, yucky stuff that we were originally talking about. Let's just talk about uh, gaming. Let's talk about TTRPGs. And I'm like, OK. And then within that conversation we came up with a name uh within hours of that conversation we had a bunch of urls and stuff set aside and we started putting together a plan to really just come to the airwaves and share our experiences with other folks share our likes uh, our tips tools techniques with others and the goal really was to just help other people get engagement and get as much fun out of this game as possible and as well as to build this community you know we had an exorbitantly fun and engaging community of gamers uh when we were in college together and pre-college uh and we wanted to replicate that years go on we separate from some of those groups this was a vehicle 
critical to bring many of those folks back into our orbit. We are currently gaming with on a regular basis a lot of se- several of the folks that we used to game with in college and before college, high school and such. And, and so many new people and, and so many new friends. And so many new friends who've become a uh, fantastically fa- great found family and our podcast family is amazing and growing every single month we meet new podcasters that we just connect with on such a deep level it's like we should have been friends all along had we crossed yeah. each other's path yeah. 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever right. we would have guaranteed been fast friends right so we're able to do that now in a way that just really excites us hopefully excites others and brings other people to various game tables our game table their game tables and really enjoys the creativity and the wonderful of this hobby and, you know essentially we are trying to get more people to love the game as much as we love the game uh and uh make their next role legendary yeah I, like nice. what really connected with me about that is hearing you know reconnecting with old friends making new friends and that's mm-hmm. such a big cross-section of our own audience is folks that are obviously like have discovered dnd in the past five to ten years um, as a result of its, you know, explosion in popularity, stuff like Critical Role and mm-hmm. um, and the Big Bang Theory, and just like it being Stranger Things, you know, it just being more in the zeitgeist than almost ever before. But then also, you know, those players that used to play and and fell out, you know, for whatever reason, and because it's become so popular again, they like, oh yeah, I remember playing that. Let me dust off these old AD and D books and see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and then yeah, and then so everyone. That kind of in between i yeah absolutely love it are they still playing second edition that's what i've got yeah no definitely exactly. coming back yeah. in you find yourself <laughs> relearning the game too no, and uh-huh. i i i actually just picked up a, a copy of the um the moldvoy um basic set and nice. i'm excited to uh to dig into that nice. so, because there's a there's a and that's the thing i i've got like i've got a lot of ttrpg friends a lot of D friends and then within that, you know, I got like subsection of friends, like, you know, those that prefer 5e because of, you know, for whatever reason, like they're the more narrative storytelling aspect of it. Those that prefer like OSR because they like the the simple rules, but they like the aesthetic of the like old, yeah. like, you know, the old stuff. And then you have the the old heads that are just the, the grognards that are like, no, I'm going to play <laughs> basic set B B E C M I, uh, and, and I'm not going to have anything else. In some D and D circles, Thacko is a deity. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be worshipped. Thacko yeah. is a is an ongoing uh, running joke in our Discord, so it's a, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Thacko repeatedly kicked my posterior back in the day. I usually just depended on other folks to determine whether something hit or not. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Yeah, Sometimes I was like, I, I I was guessing. I I don't know. I don't do that kind of math. That's like advanced trigonometry with sines cosines and functions and all that stuff that my 17 year old does in class um, oh so that's where i need to go to scratch the math itch yeah what you're telling much. me yeah pretty yeah, much yeah. Yeah. yeah um but i'll get i'll cut you in on a little secret about some of the stuff some of the things that i write uh when we are starting a project and we get a topic i will go back into my gaming closet where i have my big shelf of books that go back to second edition and i will Mm. peel through all my old second edition splat books all the kits uh Mm. the you know complete fighter or whatever because i not only had those for um the second edition but and then i even have those for third edition uh all the old mongoose press uh uh 
splat books as well. And I will peruse those to see what great nuggets are in here that can be brought up and need some new uh, 5e polish. Like what can we do Ooh. to take that concept and bring it forward? So sometimes it's a brand new mechanic or it's a, it's a new styled mechanic based on the old thing. Sometimes it's just uh, a, a ribbon style feet or background that I'll build based on something I saw there, or it might even be the creation of a whole new subclass based on uh, concepts from one or two of the kits that I've seen that were just really cool things that I wanted to bring forward. No. Yeah. Like that's, you know, everything, all the lore that we present comes mm -hmm. from the very beginning of D and D from all the way back in 74. You know, yeah. there's, you know, and we cover when we have a topic, we cover everything from the beginning to fifth edition. If it's, if it's still in fifth edition, cause you know, there's some stuff that like, some like stuff Vecna, falls off. Mm -hmm. like Vecna mm -hmm. has it really like it's, it's showing up in, you know, uh, proper in 5e next year. But, you know, for the most part, it's just like, you know, hints and whispers. And so yeah. there isn't a whole lot of lore, or at least there wasn't up until recently about Vecna in fifth edition. Um, but no, yeah, I love all that. And then also trying to like figure out how it works together, which is fun because sometimes lore doesn't have to like make sense. It's just, it's lore. Yeah. Why is it different? Because, just because, because D&D. &D. Well, I mean, why. well, because like the, the region, you know, of, yeah. of, you know, 10 towns, you believe this about this creature and, the the people in Baldur's Gate thought something else about about the creature about the monster mm -hmm. though, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of the narrative of the game that we play and we love is that um, other than the mechanics being consistent, war does not necessarily have to be consistent as long as it's right. couched in the narrative. If it comes from a specific character. Whether it be some NPC that is uh, writing its own their own gazetteer, uh, or whether it be the rumor in a given town, it doesn't necessarily have to be accurate. What it has to do is just ring true and consistent for the narrative in that area or right. that that story, uh, and then it can be slightly different everywhere along the way. And none of it has to be true, or all of it can be true. And in the end, that's really up to what you run at your table and any storyteller, any DM. Any any GM, they have the ability to decide what's actual canon. Yeah. Um, nobody writing a book does that, you know, and well, that's kind of, that's kind of where our faction book comes in, as a matter of fact. And the concept of lore is it's timeless, and, and the fact that it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be consistent all the way into today. If you look at any of the urban legends that run around any of the countries in the world and various yeah. towns or communities, they vary. They're not always right. the same. Not everybody yeah. talks about the same ones are the same ones in the same way. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it makes total sense that you and, know, sometimes they're going to be a little different. Yeah. And that very kind of concept uh, is kind of like the backbone of one of my favorite, like inside jokes among the three of us. And so like all of our books are like the traveler's guide to collaborative world building, the traveler's guide to the multiverse, that kind of thing. This is going to be mm -hmm. the, the traveler's guide to faction. And so the running joke is that, you know, the, the, the entity that styles themselves as the traveler is really a three headed dragon and none of the three heads ever agree with each other. So that's why like <laughs> the book has like different writing styles and everything like that through it, because, you know, the three of us are doing the writing. So, you know, that's kind of like, it's one of my favorite inside jokes inside the, inside the podcast. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome i we the mental image for that the middle beautiful. head yet though. yeah right exactly yeah <laughs> no well, yeah i love that it's uh it's got like uh tiamat slash like demogorgon vibes to it for sure <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so I speaking don't... of the factions book the traveler's guide to factions let's talk about that when does the kickstarter launch 
Sure. Yeah. So the Kickstarter officially launches this Thursday. So that's uh, uh, September 28th, uh, just a couple days after we're recording here. Uh, and it's going to run through October 24th. So just about a month. I think it's like 26 days or, or something like that. So. Okay. Yeah. so what are we looking forward to? Like, what are the goals for this Kickstarter, like moving forward? What are you yeah, guys' what can we plans expect? based on different things, like different goals that you meet, et cetera? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the core offering of the book is going to be a set of nine factions that are being designed, uh, you know, for any campaign, any time period, any setting. It's largely uh, system agnostic, uh, you know, kind of self-contained mini societies that can be dropped into any campaign that you're playing in. There are going to be some uh, mechanical pieces that go along with that, like 5e style stat blocks and stuff like that. So if you're playing not just Dungeons and Dragons, but really any kind of 5e engine game, like modern day heroes or um or army men which is a game that just came out a little while ago you know those kind of games uh the stat blocks should should be portable and, and workable uh within those games too um and then uh it's also going to include a chapter on how to write uh, a faction for your game in the same model that we're doing so we thought a lot and researched a lot about what a faction means to us and what we think uh kind of the key components of a faction would be um not just kind of outward perception uh, but like the history of that faction how has it changed throughout time you know how is how is it different in like a, a bronze age sort of sense versus its steampunk sense and stuff like that and even like near future far future that kind of thing um, but also like what are the inner workings of that fun of that faction also you know what are the what are the secrets that only people within the faction know what are the rumors that kind of persist throughout that faction so a lot of depth in in to in terms of like what the faction is at its core um mm -hmm. and so we're we have a whole chapter in the book that's going to be all about how to go ahead and go through the same process that we're going through right now, writing a faction to go ahead and introduce it to your game and kind of do it in our model. Um, so that's kind of the core offering is going to be those nine, the nine okay. factions with, with customized art and the chapter on how to go ahead and make your own. Um, and then much like our last campaign from last year, all of our stretch goals are content based. So it's all to add additional things to those chapters. So okay. we have a, we have a stretch goal for like a customized background and feet in the, the five E rule set. Um, for each faction we have stretch goals for tales of the valiant style heritage and lineages for those factions um you know that kind of thing more art uh you know more npcs kind of making each chapter bigger better better you know that kind of thing so right okay so why factions mm. <laughs> so <laughs> we've covered this a few times uh yeah. in, in the last few interviews there's a whole lot of answers to that. One of the simplest is we don't throw anything away and we noticed a trend in our writing. So in our previous projects, if we're working on a subclass and that subclass led to a group or an organization that might really um, typify that subclass or you know embody it, a lot of those started creating factions on their own. They started bringing ideas about, okay, how, how much, where else would this go? What kind of people would be involved right. in it? And, you know, how would they interact with the world? Um, so each time we run into something that doesn't completely fit this project or grows beyond the scope of this project, we don't throw it out. We, we pay everything forward to the next projects. And so in our writing of our last two books, we were kind of gearing towards factions anyway, just based on 
the things we were creating and right. the types of uh, stories that were popping in about these characters and a, a lot of the backgrounds that we wrote for the Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse played into the factions too. Um, and all of these things kind of led us in that direction. But then another piece of it is listening to our fans and our Patreons and our players. Because the piece of our games that they're not asking for more of, the piece of the parts of our show uh, that we spend time talking about that they're saying, hey, we want more of that. It's not the parts where we're going over mechanics or specifics about how rules work, though those are enjoyed. So we still we still cover, you know, the, the rules, the mechanics and tips on how to navigate them. But what our fans like the most is the depth that we add to our games, is the extra steps that we go to bring the community to life by adding multiple groups or factions just within a town or, you know, fleshing out the Merchants Guild that's been the thorn in the party's side for the last half of a campaign arc and giving them faces and a mini culture of their own for the PCs to interact with or creating a faction or a an organization based on the backstory that a player brings to us with their character. And we're like, dude, this group that you're saying you came from, let's talk about that. Let's flesh this out. Yeah. And we, we work together with them on it. And that can create an entire faction unique to that campaign that then may later grow into other game worlds for us. But it's those pieces that our fans were saying, hey, that's awesome. We love that. So we're also kind of following that pulse as well and just trying to go to the next logical piece of what we're telling. And Josh mentioned in our last one that uh, our last book, Subclasses, this is also very true, uh, Subclasses of the Multiverse, that's very, very mechanics heavy, designing yeah. subclasses and making sure it's balanced mm -hmm. and going through the play testing. And so for our next project, we wanted to go more lore and less mechanics to just exercise the creative side of our brains and give that find detail piece a little bit of a break there'll still be mechanics in this book for stat blocks and suggestions on how on some of the things that could benefit players but it's not going to be that stat heavy and honestly so i guess you could say laziness no no needing a break <laughs> no. from 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 that minutiae and wanting to explore the story side of it more yeah. also brought us to this exploring project. the macro instead of the micro because i mean these factions are not going to be small either i mean i think I've written one in its entirety and it's about 15 pages in Google Docs right now. And whenever you do like layout on a book like this, you know, you mind that Google pages to layout pages are probably not quite two to one, but like in that neighborhood. So mm -hmm. uh, this, this, uh, this book has, uh, has the possibility of being a chonky boy. It's so. going to have some chunk Ooh. to it. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. like a, we like a chonky boy here. I know the, like the, the last book, you know, surprisingly came up at 186 pages. Right. That's uh, and then, you know, like, like, that's a solid book. I mean, that's like, a, that's it like is, a wizard of the coast. Solid, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's bigger than Spelljammer. So, I mean, you know, we, um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> tell me when he's lying. It is what it is, right? You know, tell me um, when he's lying. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so, but I, I, all signs are pointing to that. If we hit the stretch goals, especially some of the the writing heavy stretch goals, like our adventure mm -hmm. starters and stuff like that, um, this this will be probably two hundred pages. So uh, it'll be it'll have some have some meat on the hoof, as we say. So. That is absolutely fantastic. Of, I was going to say, yeah, Lee, we can't hear you. Yeah, one of the things that we've talked about very specifically was the fact that um, in addition to writing good content, we also want to provide, whoopsie, sorry about that. 
one of the things that we've talked a lot about is providing a good value for our readers. Uh, we want to be valuable because one of the things we've noticed is as the cost of official books from the biggest game company in the world uh, uh -huh. ha have gone up, their page counts have gone down. Um, and in some instances, I'm not going to call out any specific books, <clears throat> looking at you, um, that uh, okay. the quality of said books have, have diminished significantly versus from what was promised versus what was delivered. So if you're over-promising, under-delivering, <clears throat> yeah, right, at a higher dollar amount and asking us to continue to dump out our wallets uh yeah. we have some issue with that uh and so we want to make sure that we're on the right side of those equations so one of those things is being lore heavy mechanics mechanics take less room really they just do lore mm. takes more room and if done right uh it can be more useful because a mechanic is going to be in a stat block which gets used in an adventure only x number of times so if you're running a campaign, let's say you run the average campaign that is going to run maybe 10 levels, you're going to use any one stat block for about three of them if you used it multiple adventures. That's it. Right. right. However, if you write lore for a faction that has concepts, ideas, things that multiple characters throughout the course of this uh, faction uh, will say and do and interact with multiple players can be from or rail against what have you that can be done multiple times throughout those campaigns and if you run one of those extra long campaigns like we tend to run at our tables uh, let's say you take it all the way to 20 you can be using that the entire time it informs your role play so it's always present. It will show up in specific adventures along the way. So those highlights are very present in those individual mm -hmm. pieces. And the stat blocks we're talking about will cover a few things in each tier. So there's always something new as your game advances. That's what we're looking to do. Those are some of the things that, quite honestly, we feel a lot of the official titles are missing. They don't take it to the top level to begin with. And Anything they do, it's really you get to use this a couple times and then you're done. And hopefully you can figure something out beyond that. Um, we're we're out to kind of cure that ill and bring some cool stuff to the to tables, uh, so they've got something that they can use consistently, campaign long. And let's say they want to play a different game that's not Wizards of the Clo Coast, the lore still holds no matter yeah. what game or game system you're using. We want to be the change we want to see, right? So. Oh, yeah, and that's um, that. that's just smart world building. Is it really you can, is? You build a you build something from lore, like a like a merchant's guild or faction, uh, and you can build an entire campaign around that. Whereas you Absolutely. can't really build an entire campaign around a stat block or two. Right. Right. Um, I mean, there if are... you're neurotic enough, yeah, there are <laughs> a person few... might. There yeah, are if those, few... if those zombie if those step blocks are zombies, all you need is a zombie apocalypse and you're good to go. That's true. But yeah, That's it is true. very limiting. It's very limiting. It is absolutely. But I even do. then, like you have like the lore of a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Yeah, right. There's yeah. still gotta be some lore. I just I need like the like a diamond is forever, but I needed to say lore is forever. Like I would wear that as a shirt. <laughs> I, would, I would wear that t-shirt. Bumper sticker yeah. that. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. We, we we have kind of a phrase that we use in house here called uh, called 
whenever something is like narratively weak and needs that it needs a little bit more lore sauce on it, you know, it's like yeah, it needs right. a little bit, a little bit of oomph, you know, it's like the steak is there, but it needs a little bit of something. So yeah. lore yeah. sauce, lore sauce, lore sauce. It's what's that, for dinner. That is that's I, my my buddy is utterly obsessed. Like with like many people in the world today are utterly obsessed with Baldur's Gate three. What? And... I don't know anybody like that, Sergio. <laughs> I'm getting ready to become obsessed with Baldur's oh Gate 3. I just gosh, don't have time feel yet. Feel free to okay. hit me up and rant at me the whole time because I am dying. Nobody I know is at the place that I'm at yet. And I, I can't spoiler everybody. That's just cruel. I, so... I made the choice to go Starfield instead of Baldur's Gate 3. I will be honest. I, I did make that choice. So. I'm, uh, I'm going to so... make the choice for Starfield after that, but... I played Starfield simply because it was on Game Pass and I have Game Pass. So I I played it for uh, the day came out. I played it for a couple of days. But like Glenn said, I didn't have I literally did not have the time. And I knew that as soon as I booted up Baldur's Gate 3, I would get sucked in. It's going to be a time. He's like, look, I'm I'm going in. And sure enough, you know, uh, uh, a Friday evening came about, you know, the kids usually start winding down around 9, 930. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll have it installed and I'll have it ready to go around that time. Started playing 9.30 p.m. Friday night, and I stopped playing sometime around 4.30 Saturday morning. Oh, jeez. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, and I hadn't, I mean, I was like, a, and I didn't feel, I didn't have one, like, bit of, you know, of, of being tired until 4.30, where I kind of yawned. I'm like, oh, wow, I've, it is, like, people are starting about to get up. You know, for, for yeah. folks are going to work hours. right now. <laughs> I'm up at around five o'clock with my daughter every day. So, yeah. That's... And so I was like, and uh, yeah, so I know exactly what you want. Yeah. Once you, once yep. you dive in, you're, you're, you have to be, yeah. you have to start swimming. Um, I've got a, I, I did a six hour stint on Days Gone the other day, but that's the longest straight run I've done in quite some time. I'm not sure that I could do a day think plus. I anymore. hit probably 12 or 14 hours one so, of the days playing Baldur's Gate 3 on a day that I took as a not doing anything else. I have I have to take days where I can't do a lot physically. Um, mm. So I have to make myself do something that'll make me sit still. Guess yep. what makes yep. me sit still? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I am not Perfect. much of a of a of a computer gamer. Like I don't hmm. I don't play video games as a general rule. There is one exception to that rule and that happens to be civilization. I've played every version of it. I've played Alpha Centauri and I've played um uh uh Beyond Beyond Earth as well. Uh and I can tell you it's been a long time since I had a full day, but generally once a year I will take about a week off and I will spend at least two days uh of that week playing whatever the current version of civilization is and um well i I can honestly go pretty close to 24 hours with that game and civ is one of the biggest time sucks known to man those memes out there that show one more turn later and you're a skeleton they're real (laughs) so wait 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 so in your spare time when you're not world building you take the time to relax and world build and world build oh yeah yeah totally yeah Yeah, that that's 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 my thing tracks yeah that's your thing nerd after my own heart (laughs) i know i was like oh i love it so much yeah Yeah. when uh when josh was talking about the um you know when you first became friends and you inevitably like would go to some kind of party and you would end up like in a corner on a couch somewhere, like talking D and D like, yeah, that's, that's definitely, that's, that's my group of friends. Do, yeah. do a tight three hours on backgrounds. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it is always so fascinating to me because every one of these conversations I end up in with a group of people, everybody's an old school player, everybody yep. but me. 
I have never <laughs> played anything but 5e and I have never played in person only online and digitally. And so it is so neat to me to get to hear all of it because yeah. I get to experience all of it firsthand too. So yeah, we've like, I've had so many, like all of my experiences because I've been playing, I'm a vintage disposition. So <laughs> I have been playing for quite some time. Like I played before the internet was an actual thing that anybody outside of the U S government was involved with, um, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, but I can tell we you, old folk. Basically. Yeah. But I can tell you that uh, I have played uh, I have played in a in a game that had something in the neighborhood of 40 to 42 players at where the DM literally had multiple tables of 12 and would go from table to table to table to table uh, at, throughout the sessions. And the only guiding rules for those games were uh, if your character dies, you're out. You can put your name on a list to see if you get back into the game at some point in the future. Um, and that's it. And it was hardcore in that regards. Uh, and he kind of worked that game until we got down to a, a core 12 players. Uh, and then sometime after that, that game went from being in a public space to uh, people's homes. So that core group stayed together. Uh, that's a game world that was played probably um, – for about four or so years before I joined it uh, and got to that size. And then it is still being played. Yeah. We did our most recent session uh, Sunday night, night last <laughs> night. Yeah. Um, I mean, still, I joined that game in 1997 and had probably been playing for the better part of a decade at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, like, a tiny little baby child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, I was 10 <laughs> in 97. Oh. No well, I was nine in '97. I wasn't ten till the end of the year. My uh, my my youngest started playing at ten. My oldest <sighs> started playing when he was eight. So like they like we have uh uh, it's a family thing for us. And my yeah. grand, my my oldest grandson is playing now. You know he got his first uh his first uh, box set uh from his pop pop uh for Christmas. So fantastic. Year. So. You know, th th these are the things that we do. I mean, we love our hobby and we love to see it grow. And if you can't grow uh, something like this within your family, what do you, you know, like, what are you actually doing? Kind of thing. Honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't get my kids to play. Well, getting our kids to play and starting to realize that we were involving our children in this hobby was a big part of changing our mindset in terms of adversarial play versus collaborative play and really helped us evolve into uh well the stewards of the hobby that we are today because that's the point where we had to face at some point I mean, my daughter's going to be sitting down to a table like this yeah would this be okay you know yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. am i good with that? that that's really what started changing the way that we designed our games and the content yeah. that we put in them and mm -hmm. um so i mean family role playing has been you know a big part of the the hobby evolving i think yeah. You know, I, I ran a game this weekend. Uh, it was an adventure that the three of us wrote uh, for Splinterverse Media in their uh, Dragonlance Companion. Last, I love that. I have that. Last I have winter. It. It's right huh? over there on my shelf. Yeah. Yeah, tr oh. tri Trials of the Tower Initiate was the adventure that uh, that, that the three that of us we wrote. Together. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, so I ran that adventure at, at a convention this past weekend. At that table was my 17-year-old son, uh, a, a, a person from the local area that I had not met before, but it was a fantastic role player, uh, a young father and his 11-year-old daughter. And I was very proud of the fact that the only thing I had to alter with my delivery of the game was I toned back some of the graphic depictions of some of the violence to keep it a little mm-hmm. more uh, pertinent. Uh, and this was a pretty advanced young lady as a matter of fact she she had a great time uh and i don't think uh based on some of the side conversations that she would have been p- terribly bothered but i felt pretty good that all i had to do is tone back a little bit of the the violent like i didn't talk about uh brain matter going anywhere or anything yeah. crazy right. like that which i might do for older people for a title on that. Yeah, just, i can be pretty good with a graphic description i'm not yeah. gonna lie about that but you know the conversations about safety tools and what people are comfortable with yeah. and right playing for what's going to be fun for your audience all of those things come into play and i was very proud of the fact that we wrote an adventure that was so easily uh movable up and down that particular ladder of uh of content level uh as far as age age groups and it played really well and it was a lot of fun i mean so the the first thing i'll say sergio is that as cool as it is that i have a book on my shelf that has my name in it it's even cooler that you have a book on your (laughs) shelf with my name in it so thank you very much for saying that first of all that's like the coolest thing that's happened to me in a while yeah we've talked about this on the yeah we've talked about this on the show before about especially when we were larping um we they were worlds of darkness style larps and sometimes those games tend them kind of lend themselves to a certain extremity in plot points right there there's a it is a gritty dark Mm -hmm. extreme world that those games happen right Right. and we've talked about this before about how like like you know some of the some of the things that we would do kind of and i'll I'll, yeah i'll say this phrase some of these things that we would do to players like not even necessarily with players i'm not sure that i would make those same choices now that i made you know mumble mumble years ago you know Mumble, mumble. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, a great example of this is I wrote the background for one of the characters in one of the LARPs that I ran. It was a large LARP. At one point, I think we had very close to 100 people, if not slightly more. I know I wrote something like 120 characters, but I think on any given night, the most I probably had was right in that 90 yeah. to 100 range. Shadows of Power, yeah. Uh, Shadows of Power. Great game. Loved it. It was a passion project for me uh, and the way I designed it. Um, but I wrote one of the backgrounds for one of the characters that a good friend of mine played and who very much liked horror and those types of things. He was very much into that. And I remember writing that backstory and it was very much akin to something like, uh, Stephen King's, uh, the dark side or, uh, where, or, um, the dark, the, the dark half where I don't remember writing all of it, but when it was done, I was particularly, not cool with what I was had written. I violated my own X cards <laughs> when I wrote that story. And oh. I made what I think was a mistake. I actually showed it to the player in question at one point. It's kind of end back then though, to yeah, push the boundaries was. as yeah. far it, it, as yeah, you like, could. The it 90s really was. Were, a, were the, the yeah. time of the edge lord for sure. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> I remember taking it back from him because I said I really got to get this typed up a little better and i remember destroying that story and i waited three days wrote a different one that was better and i remember him saying i really wanted that original one i'm like i'm not comfortable with that one being in my game 
No. And that was kind of how I uh, how I did. I said, you can certainly let any of what you read inform the way you play your character, but I don't want any of those details in my game. Yeah. Like I remember saying that in like 1997 ish. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was particularly disturbing. Like to this day, I actually will have moments where I'm like, Ugh. just thinking <laughs> about like I don't like the fact that I wrote that, and I've actually not written anything on a horror level of that that level since uh because it's just not what i want to do it's not who i'm who i am uh it's not what i want to put out into the world and that's not a dig on anybody who writes horror have at it there are people who love that it's just not this kid uh yeah i've recently realized i like horror horror in my gang yeah i mean not not you know crazy over the top horror but my style does tend to bring horror in, into the mix a little bit. Oh yeah, I I love. I mean, I'm wearing a Michael Myers Halloween T-shirt right now. Yeah. I, I love nice. horror. We yeah, we stand horror in this house. It, it's a pretty big part of uh, of my old man's job. So nice. I'm, I'm currently working on learning Monster of the Week to run Powered by the Apocalypse for tabletop journeys Excellent. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like 100 set in that supernatural Buffy the Vampire yep. Slayer like horror mm-hmm, genre mm-hmm. i find myself loving going back it. And watching i've been going back and watching like the 90s supernatural yeah. related type stuff lately <laughs> it's been one of those kicks going into spooky season nice. yeah my uh my youngest son while we were up in fall river for that convention we stayed at my brother's place and he was watching old x-files episodes while uh X-Files. friday night going into it so yeah. Uh, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with uh, with horror. Uh, Josh can uh, tell you some pretty funny stories about me insisting <laughs> we go watch a horror movie, and then me insist- to go watch the Sixth Sense. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, um, Blair, Witch Blair Witch Yeah, and then me not allowing him or my other friend uh, to go to sleep house <laughs> until the sun was up because I wouldn't have it. Uh, <laughs> like I. I that's that's how I like I love the narrative and the story in horror films I think they do such a great job of setting atmosphere and telling story that mm-hmm. it's very instructive for me as a as a writer and a content creator but you just have such time, an imagination you can't mute it I, I can I cannot shut it off once it's on it's on and that like I I will go weeks without sleeping uh after I see if it's of good quality like that kind that really makes you think I'll mm-hmm. go, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll love it. I'll enjoy it. And then like a week later, I will finally pass out from exhaustion because I will not have, I will not have willingly gone to sleep since then. So you guys have talked about um, like running games that have, you know, four to six people, uh, eight to 12, and even That's up insane. to like 42 uh, you know, various tables. So what is your dream game to run? And mm. I asked this because I've been wanting to talk to somebody about my personal dream game. And I feel this is finally the, the audience You've that's going to be receptive so to long, that. Sergio. Excellent. Do you want to go first, Sergio? I, I mean, I will. Sure. Uh, I yeah. want to run a, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I want to run a multi-table game, two tables, um, maybe like a uh, old top secret uh, from TSR Ooh. or uh, cold shadows. Uh, mm-hmm. Something spy related, where essentially both tables are playing against each other. Yep. And based on what one table does, the other table either like knows about it, can figure it out, and can pivot and you know and respond yep. to that, and just like and playing them off each other and seeing who can outsmart who. Yep. And, Trying to leverage like the rival mechanic from Nether Deep. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yep. And so okay. that that's a dream game of mine, and it's something that I don't mm. I don't want it to be a one shot. I want it to run over the course of several months, if not years, and you know, and just see like what these two like rival factions speaking of factions uh Yay. can come up with each you other brought it come, back around good I job brought it back around. <laughs> yeah. uh, which i like i feel at one hand i'm like oh we should be talking more about the factions book but i feel like this conversation is as much a commercial you know a sell for the book they, <laughs> no, like, this yeah. is coming really this is, is. Yeah, this is what you'll expect from yeah. that content is this kind of like in-depth like love of the nerd them that is D D. Absolutely. absolutely and we're, we're definitely big fans of flying far afield from original topics that's just yeah. part of what we do yeah. <laughs> let's see if you've ever listened to our if show we this didn't is, digress yeah. it wouldn't be a lore cast episode. like For we sure. we are known as tabletop journeys but we could have easily been known as tabletop tangents yeah. um, <laughs> you know that 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 was that was legitimately in contention yeah. at some point yeah. um you know, I love the concept of that game, and I've done some things that are fairly close or adjacent or, or attempted to. Um, the closest to that was uh, a D&D. It was a second edition game that rolled into skills and powers, so that'll set your time frame, like 95-ish, 96-ish uh, time frame. And the idea was there was this uh, game. It was kind of like an Olympics in the set in the world of Greyhawk where various teams from various nations would go all around Greyhawk. And the idea was I had just moved up to Maine to be in college, and I had had this newfound group of friends, many of which came from that table of 42. Um, and I was running a group up there. So I had a table of, I think, 8 to 10 up there, and they formed one of these teams that did these various events. And then my good friend, uh, our good friend Marty, uh, who was still in Connecticut at the time, ran my old game group through the same types of things down there. We had some, because we didn't have the internet, we had some connectivity and getting information back and forth challenges. So it didn't end up working out quite as well as we wanted to, but it was definitely uh, the start of an idea like that where we had two teams Um and like Marty and I would design the events that they would have to go through and the challenges they would have to go through uh, in these events. And each session was a new event in a new world. So you had a session, which was the event. Then you had a session to travel to the next event. So there might be some random encounters or some deeper plot that my group was dealing with, some other plot that his group would be dealing with. Then we get to the next event. And there were basically, I think, 12 events and uh, we were not milestoning, but our general idea was to keep it so it would go about 12 levels and then figure out what players wanted to do after that if they wanted to continue. But that would be that Olympic style event. That was kind of our, our, our game. I would love to try to get that to go. And I think that would be very cool. But I would really love to do it two live tables versus two virtual tables. Um, uh, and so whether those are close or far wouldn't matter. Uh, but we, with technology, we have the ability to do that in a much better fashion these days. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Who's up next. All right. Go ahead, Glenn. Okay. <laughs> so mine's big and it's going to take a second. Um, and these two haven't even heard it yet. So this ought to be fun. So this has been an idea that's been developing for a while. Um, it's going to, it's, 
if this ever comes to pass, it would be way future state. But one of the things that I've presented to Tabletop Journeys is each of us has our own world. We all do. Like every, every forever DM out there has their own world or right. two or three. Um, and a couple of times I've come up with some theoretical plot lines for how we can combine them into one world. So the Tabletop Journeys has one campaign setting of its own that's based off of our three worlds. And I won't go into all of that because that's secondary to the question, but that's that's some background. Then fast forward a little bit to what we've been doing this year is we've branched and we are still covering D&D in our podcast. I can never let go of D&D no matter what Wizards of the Coast does. Uh, so yeah, that's it. exactly how I feel. I've been playing it since I was eight for 42 years that uh, I started with the red box set. My dad was my first GM. I call myself a second generation role player. Um, so I own D&D more than WotC does, in my opinion. So they can't take Absolutely. it away from me. I may but not give them my the dollars community. if they piss me off, uh, but it will still be my game. So we'll always have D&D going on, but we have deviated some in our programming to reflect the fact that we can't just base it around that because we didn't know where things were going to go for a hot minute. And we branched out into Star Trek Adventures and by Modiphius. And as we, Josh and Lee Wanika, have been running the heck out of Star Trek Adventures for our Patreons and now our first set cast actual play series as co-DMs. And now the way that's working now is our Patreon group runs Star Trek Expeditions and our set cast runs Star Trek Preservations. But they exist in the same world based out of the same space station, Aslan Station, and the two games do inform each other. So mm -hmm. our Patreons still get to impact our actual play, even though they're not uh, in necessarily all in the, the set cast right, actual right. play. Um, and that concept with the multiple DMs in the same area with our own world, I would like to be to the point where we have our worlds combined and my big game idea would be that the three of us as part of tabletop journeys through our patreons and our regular games are running three separate groups or more in the same realm just different parts of the world if we get too close things can get complicated but when it happens we'll work it out we'll call each other and yada 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 but where we're still reporting back in our you know writers meeting style meetings and putting the lore together and letting each group impact the world and letting each other group feel the impacts. That's, that's my big ultimate nerddom gaming. That idea. is essentially what the intention is behind the two that I'm currently have on hiatus at the moment. They've been on hiatus for nice. a little bit. This year has been insane. I don't, I don't, I don't know if anybody else knows that, but this year was crazy, <laughs> but it's a very yeah. similar, similar theory. And there's a couple players that are in both that are going to, at some point, have to run both of their characters at the table at the same time because of the overlap yeah. with it. Nice. Um, I've had a conversation with myself playing cast in a live action game before, uh, um, but I haven't actually had to do it at a table yet. It used to have to happen. That used to have to happen in LARPs all the time. Like you'd be right. playing two NPCs in the same scene. They start talking to each other. Like it's all, it gets a little crazy when you have to like, like fight one another like what that then the people are just like standing by like watching like what is happening to oh Josh i would pay there. good oh. money to watch one of my one of my players slash friends specifically i would no. I'd, I'd be down to watch Locke fight yeah. with himself all day any day because it would be fantastic it well, would be a and, and bard every, battle 
And then everybody would be like, this is what the beginning of Fight Club really looked like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. A little unsettling. Um, so I, I uh, that's interesting that you mentioned that because um, I'm it, I'm part of this uh, ongoing campaign. It's the Age of Worms uh, fifth edition, you know, mm. uh, upgrade or uh, you know, up uh, conversion. And so um, you know, and we do that every other week uh, when there are weeks that you know one or two of us can't make it, or the DM just needs a little bit more time to prep. Uh, one of us will run a one shot. I've run several one shots and. I'll usually say, like, hey, just, you know, make whatever kind of character you want, which, and it's fun for the, uh, for the players because they get to run something wildly different from what they usually run if they want. And, or right. they can run something that, that's similar to what they're already running and yeah, and, and kind of, and tweak it a little bit and see, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that works a little bit better. And, uh, over the course of several of these one shots, I've had, you know, the question like, hey, can I run the same character? And just, you know, and just level up to, you know, whatever level this adventure that you're running is at. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So it would be fun now to like go back and figure out like, you know, what all was going on and then try to like tie it in together into like one world. And maybe. I love doing the building all the ties between things and how it all works together. Yeah. Because my brain likes information that way. I like to know where all the crossovers are and how all of it fits. I mean, that is, we, as, we could, always fun. as the co-host of a Dungeons and Dragons lore cast, that doesn't track. <laughs> I know. Do you see why I'm insane now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could we could do a whole show uh, between Luminique and I about about what what co-DMing a game that ostensibly takes place with the same crew on the same ship in the in in one world kind of thing, uh, and and I guess the short answer is that it takes. Uh, way more communication and way more preparation than you think it does. Uh, mm-hmm. And it takes way more communication and preparation than we thought it did also. And we like went in like eyes open, like, okay, we're going to really have to have to do this. And then uh, it, it's almost like, it's almost like the dirty secret behind podcasting is that, you know, podcasting is a lot more work than you think it is before you start. It's the same kind of thing. It's like as much mm-hmm. preparation as you think it's going to take, like double, triple, quadruple, that amount of preparation is what it's going to take to actually make that happen. So we learned that same lesson about running a Kickstarter and putting out first publications and things too. It's exactly, almost, yeah, yeah. All of this, this stuff follows the same kind. Yeah, this this, this Kickstarter is going going a whole lot smoother than the last one did because like we went in eyes wide yes. open and really all we did was make a bunch more work ahead of time. Uh, so I, I'm going well, to go. This totally time we had experience yeah. to draw off. Of, yeah, so that's fair. That's yeah. helping us a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to go totally off the rails with like a spicy hot take, Sergio, to answer your question here. So because, yeah, so and it's not it's not as grandiose as Glenn's idea, although Glenn, I do love that idea. And we need to like write that down and start working on that for next year. Um, So I am a huge HP Lovecraft fan, right? I like I have got like tons of HP Lovecraft novels. Like I I like the I like that sort of horror, that sort of like um, not gory horror, horror. but kind of like intellectual, like haunty horror. Yeah, Yeah, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. you are speaking to a gentleman who has a Cthulhu Cthulhu. perched on a D20 tattooed on his shin. It is on his Nice. I mean, it's it's just off camera here, but you can't see the row of H.P. Lovecraft books that I have next to Thomas Mann's Dr. Faustus and my my uh, my Kurt Vonnegut collection. So nice. like these are like within arm's reach of where I work all day long. Right. Um, As they should. Here, yeah. Right. Uh, here's the thing with 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 H.P. Lovecraft, though, is that the Cthulhu TTRPG 
it was okay, but it had some mechanical flaws. Like it didn't flow quite well. Like you had the, the whole madness mechanic never quite worked out just right and everything like that. So I had some issues in there. So I keep thinking about like, man, you know, if I, if I really wanted to run like a Lovecraftian style story, what are, what, what are the systems that I could go ahead and bring in? What are things that I could steal from other game systems? And I'm thinking like, again, like Luanika said earlier, I'm huge into collaborative world building. That's really where so much of, how my games run come from and is that yeah i want to invite my players into not just to sit at my table but to, i want to invite them into the game i want them to tell me That's... the reality of the thing and so i did that kind of in a variety of ways i guess uh, um, a mechanic that i lifted from the burning wheel was that like each player had a unique thing that defined them in the world that nobody else in the game world had and they got to define what that was um you know things like that uh take like you know the the highly collaborative aspects of Powered by the apocalypse and stuff like that. And so I'm kind of thinking like, I think like kind of like base engine mechanically, I'm thinking like the alien system from free from from uh, um uh, from free league, where it kind of had this ability to like I can affect my dress my 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 roles by taking additional stress, you know, stress and madness now kind of become this like analog. I can delve into madness a little bit to go ahead and try to succeed in my roles a little bit, uh, but then kind of layer this collaborative thing on top of it, you know. So I've got I've got like these these ideas on how this would all work, uh, and man, if I could ever just get that to like really sing in my head. That's so, the game so in a recent conversation, Josh, we spoke about uh, my particular love of Roman history and sure, Roman yeah. lore. Uh, and uh, what I would suggest is, and uh, I actually have uh, some of the material, um, uh, and it is uh, available to TTJ, is the Cohors um, Cthulhu from uh, Modifius Entertainment. So there's a 220... 2d20 system yep. set in the time of the roman legions uh based on cthulhu and so that is something yeah, that is in our should, uh, yeah. google doc and definitely something you can take a look at um it is something that back. i i am interested in taking a look at um more because of my love of uh rome the television show titus pullo and uh verenus and mm -hmm. all of those rp ray stevenson yeah right. yeah now we'll have <laughs> now we'll have rome and lovecraftian horror josh will be happy lee won't sleep it'll be great <laughs> yeah, it'll be fantastic. It'll, it's a win-win-win all around it sounds fantastic or, my, I do my, love... my, my wife might be a little upset that i'm not sleeping anymore but you know you're not <laughs> I do love I have noticed uh, the trend of you guys you bring it back around to world building collaborative world building like a lot that is part of what appealed to me the most about it whenever Josh me Josh messaged and started talking about it because that yeah. is kind of my that is my way of dealing with it this is not my table it is not me against you yep. we are not yes we are going to challenge each other and strategize against each other but it's ours this is our world that we are creating. And I that to me is one of the biggest appeals of all of your stuff that I've read. Yeah. Because I've I mean, I've gone through everything we've had a couple times now. And it just yeah. every single time there's a little bit more of, oh, hey, yeah, no, this is a yeah. it is genuinely um created with the intention of bringing the community together. And that community part is the center of it. That is one of the like that's the main reason, aside from yeah. it's all really good content. Um, <laughs> that's that. very Thank appealing you. Yeah, you know. as well. But that's one of the will get big Thank sell you. points yeah. for me for bringing you yeah. guys on. Well, I mean, and, and that's what factions are, really, right? A faction <laughs> is a smaller community, and how they mm -hmm. operate within each other, support each other, uh, and, and view the world, and how the world views them. So we are literally defining communities, and then saying, put these communities into your 
game world so mm-hmm. that your players can then either choose to join, interact with, or work against those communities. But at the same time, they only do that if they're forming their own communities. So yes. that is happening at the table and for the players at the table. Exactly. Uh, and that, that's, that's that magic that we're really trying mm-hmm. to uh, uh, formulate or bring up. Or there's, right. a, there's, there's a word I'm looking for and I'm missing off the top. Trying to cast <laughs> the spell and send that magic con- out. Con- magic there you go, that you're conjure. trying to conjure? Yeah, that's cast. the magic we're trying to conjure. Uh, you know, will into being, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, that's what we're really, you know, that's what we're chasing. That's what we're trying to bring out at the table. And uh, I think without any question the nine factions that we put into this project mm-hmm. are just that and as importantly as there are nine factions that we have written we've also written a chapter that's about how to make your own faction so it is by design here are nine strong examples fully fleshed out examples that you can plug and play into your world and use in 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 so many different ways uh whether it's your players are a part of, your players are aware of, or your players are working against. Uh, And by the way, any player can create their own as far as where they came from or where they're headed to, uh, as well as you, the storyteller, the GM, the DM can create a faction as well that, uh, that does all that handles all of those same roles, all of those same functions. And uh, I think there's, it is kind of the next evolution of everything we've been working to and towards at this point. Right. And I mean, that just kind of builds right into the way we've been building the community around us too, because effectively just to fully tie the faction thing in and bring it home, uh, the tabletop role-playing space is a faction of modern society. So, you know, we're creating this content and we're trying to improve that space in that community. We're trying to grow our faction Mm-hmm. And our book on factions just has, happens to be our latest tool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love, you know, and I think the the chapter that you touched on, Lee, is the where you you help the the reader create their own faction based yes. on kind of the template that of you know the previous nine that you've set. Uh, that's yeah. what I love the most because it's not only are you providing content, but you're also helping you know, the DM, the player, create their own content. Which I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know any D&D player, any TTRPG player who hasn't homebrewed, at least in some respect. Sure. Yeah. Oh, gosh, oh, the yeah. Best, the best compliment we could receive, like, uh, the best compliment that I could receive after this book comes out is that if somebody looks at one of the factions we wrote and said, man, you know what? I loved the 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 Guardians of the Grave, and I took what was in there, and I took this one little bit. That didn't work for my game, but I took it and made it something else, and it worked in my game so well. Like, them being able to go ahead and look at these and realize, like, they can, they can take them, they can twist them, they can turn them around, right. they can do slightly different yep. things with them, you know? Like, we put a lot of research before we started really writing these about what these factions were going to look like and kind of being able to peel back the cover kind of being able to open source that a little bit and be like here's what we did here are the sources that we used uh to go ahead and put these together you know go go off and you know be fruitful yeah, i love that part as well the the documenting and the you know hey this is where we got the ideas from that con i love yeah. the content sharing but the i enjoy that part as well 
Well, it's very much a facet of um, the things that we've seen in gaming over all these years that Mm -hmm. we haven't necessarily liked and wanted to bring more of. There are games today that do that, that Mm -hmm. share their content, make their content known so you can Mm -hmm. build things freely or in various fashions. And that's wonderful. But, you know, some of the games that we love the most are absolutely the opposite of that. Uh, And I I think those games suffer as a result. Uh, I love Palladium games. I will always love Palladium games. But the creators creators behind Palladium games uh, are not. They have made choices (laughs) that stifle third-party content and stifle Mm -hmm. uh, some of that creativity from being shared. You know, when they had opportunities to choose how the sharing took place, they chose to not let it be shared. Uh, And I think the game has suffered as a result. You know, I can go into almost any game store, uh, local game store of any age and see shelves of Palladium games and they sell. Players do buy these books. They they're there, but it is hard to find a game that's being run in a shop. For these games it is hard to find an actual play online for some of these games there are like four or five groups and i know this because i'm a member of them but it is the same 30 or so people talking to thousands of people about the same 30 or four uh, 30 or 40 games because it's not growing uh, the games that have open source the games that allow people to create for it those are the games that are dynamic those are the games that people are talking about those are the games that are expanding and growing and are gaining fans who just deeply love and are creative and giving of themselves and of their games um you know star trek uh the the by modifius the the way that that community interacts uh, with each other and with new folks is a model for all companies to follow uh both from a staff and a writer standpoint the way they support um different endeavors to help make the game easier to adopt for new players is just really a glorious model for how to play for for how to take how to build your game um and none of those points have been lost on our team. Like we are constantly looking at these examples in the industry. Like that's something we'd want to mirror. That's something we would want to follow. We might do this a little differently, but that's, that's a good goal, you know, or I saw that done. That's not, we're not doing that. (laughs) We've had that conversation a couple of times. Yeah. We got, we got to come up with a different thing or like, you know, that was so far off the rails. I don't even know how that passed their <laughs> process. Like, what were they thinking? You know, those are conversations that we have. And I think there are a lot of third-party content creators, a ton of podcasters that are having those conversations also. You know, so we're very, very cognizant and conscious of talking about the things that we love and giving our send-ups to the things that we love and following that mechanism and sharing those inspirations with our community. No, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's no surprise if you look at um, like the statistics behind Gen Con and what games were being played. Like obviously the most popular game is going to be D and D it's the world's, you know, most popular, uh, you know, tabletop role-playing game. Uh, what? Sec- second being Pathfinder. 
you know, and they have, mm-hmm. and they're working on their ORC license as to yeah. make, you know, it as accessible as possible. And I believe the third most popular game at Gen Con uh, was like any, any um, variation of, a, of Goodman games. And mm-hmm. they're also very yeah. good about, you know, allowing folks to use their system to make games. Uh, they have their own license. Uh, they have, um, uh, like Zoom uh, weekly like demos that you can join. Uh, you oh. can sign up on their website. And Modifius as well. Like I'm, I'm on their mailing list as far as like what they're doing with their community. And yeah. you know, their their games are they have a they're a lot like Free League in my opinion yeah. in that they yeah. they have a, they're walking that fine line and doing it very skillfully between between licensed content and also original content. Yeah. You know, they're they're you know, they get their name out there with Conan with Star Trek, but then they also like free league, they have, um, symborium and they have their own original like content, which, you know, you, you hook them in with like the name that they know. And then you, you sink your, their claws into them with the, with the new stuff, with the original stuff. It's just suggestive sales. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> I, I, I've been in sales for most of my adult life. And, Ooh. uh, yeah, so I can actually, Actually, most of my life in general, not just adult life, I've been selling since I was probably about ten. Uh, well, I mean, as a as a DM, you've been selling yeah. you've been selling stories and yeah. imagination. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I I mean, at at thirteen, I had a lawn mowing business with my friend Marty. You know, like we that's that's how we we made money to go to the lake, go to the movies, go to the bowling alley. We would just mow lawns and like had a, like made a business out of it. You know, like I've I just been so much. forever. <laughs> it's like, I don't know when I've not been selling stumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've been trying to sell me a line of something since I met you. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean... actually, Glenn, you're so tall. I was planning on what I was going to sell to you roughly 30 feet before I met you because I'm like, that guy's big. I need him to be my friend. Whatever Lee sold you on, it seems to be working because you're um, nearly 150 episodes into your podcast. Yeah, you've got a one successful Kickstarter under your belt. You're about to launch a second one. You've got a thriving yeah. uh, Patreon community. Uh, yeah. You've got uh, several titles available on DMs Guild for purchase, yep. and we'll obviously we'll link mm-hmm. to that in the show notes as as well to the new Kickstarter. I mean, what yeah, what is once you and I know like you want to focus on the task at hand, but you know once you know this Kickstarter is in, inevitably you know funded. And, you know, what is next for Tabletop Journeys? The next one. Yeah, the next one. Um, you know, there... like that, that's, sorry, not, not to go ahead. But I mean, that's, that is like, when Lee Winika and I sat down to go ahead and decide that we we're going to do this podcast. And then we brought Glenn in again, like two months after we started, because we needed the third voice to keep Lee Winika and I from spending four hours just agreeing with each other. Um, <laughs> or arguing with each or, other. Or, or arguing with each other. other. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair yeah. too. Yeah. Um, you do one or but, the other and you do it with vigor. You know, at, at that at that point, we both kind of like went in with the conceit, like we know that this is what we want to do. We know that this is where we want to go. Um, and we just want to keep, you know, we put our much to our wives chagrin. Sometimes we we put our heart and soul into this project and everything that touches it. And, you know, we, um, you know, the 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 next goal is is the next project right after this one is done. Uh, and that one's going to, you know, uh, 
hopefully from, from from your lips out to the universe, Sergio, that this funds no problem and and we're able to go ahead oh, and and, uh, and really turn down a, a turn out a fantastic product. Um, and then the next one's going to be bigger, and the one after that's going to be bigger. And you know that that's just keep 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 going forward, keep getting bigger, keep getting, you know, just uh just just keep rolling. So yeah, I'll I'll get a little more in the weeds uh, as an answer here, uh, with Josh's backdrop as the framework. So, um. We definitely are looking at a minimum of at least one major Kickstarter a year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Our, our, what we need to do is as we get better at this and as we fund at um, the right levels for our individual projects and get faster and faster at our uh, d- development and 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 publish uh time frames is right. see if there's a way to build in a smaller campaign in addition to that in a year so i couldn't tell you whether that's going to be 2024 or not uh but at some point that's going to be part of the goal one major one one minor one a year to, yeah. to to get us going um at some point that means bringing on larger teams that are more consistent with our projects so we can manage that workload because the workload is very similar project yeah. to project the question is do we have enough hands and the right hands yep to man that till so that's part one and uh, one of the other things is um i feel very strongly about this and i know that we have because uh the format for these factions is something that we put a lot of effort into. Uh, that goes back, I think, close to 10 months ago when we started mm. putting together this format. Uh, yeah. Before we even started writing each of these factions in earnest was getting the right format, what they look like. So that how to build chapter, which isn't going to be complete until after we finish the rest of the nine, the nuts and bolts of what goes into each faction, that was the first thing done for this project. So. Yeah. That is a format that is so strong that you're going to see that format with future projects. So there are some things that didn't make the cut for this book because what they included was way too big for (laughs) what we needed in these nine chapters because it was both a faction. It was a bunch of equipment, magic items, gear. It was also subclasses. I'm already drooling. It was (laughs) all kinds of NPCs. It was full adventure modules. All of that. So what I can definitely see, uh, and again, I can't promise whether that's 2024 or 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 after the next big big project, uh, mm-hmm. big Kickstarter. Um, what I can definitely see is a point in time where you'll see some kind of package from us that is all of what I just mentioned. It's going to be an adventure based on a faction, a full module. It's going to have adventure starters so you can take a campaign after or within that module, how that module fit into. It's going to be a series of NPCs. It will include pre-gens. Uh, it will include subclass as plural, or at least a subclass. It will include backgrounds, feats, all of those things, but it will be based around one single faction. And I have some ideas on what one of the first couple might look like. Uh, some things that are actually fairly close to being ready for that treatment after this project. So you'll see some of these things come back out and there will be future books. When we start talking about building a campaign setting, I can guarantee you, you'll see factions within that campaign setting. I can guarantee you'll see 
other subclasses like our previous book in that setting. I can guarantee you'll see collaborative world building like you saw in uh, our very first publication in those things. And if we're going to do a campaign setting, you can almost guarantee there's going to be a starter adventure as well as several different campaign starters as well. So you're going to see some of the same building blocks, but you're going to see packages that are more specifically geared in the future. Awesome. Sounds like it sounds like Tabletop Journeys has got their stuff together. Oh, yeah. I like to think so. (laughs) I'm starting to think it's not horror movies that are keeping Lee from sleeping. I think it's just that your brain doesn't ever slow down or stop, does it? That is a true statement. No, no. Uh, um, I I, I feel you. Not at all. I feel that in my heart. That's how I know. No, uh, but a lot of time and effort and working with two of my closest friends in the world uh, to get me in the right headspace where I could make some very good health decisions for me individually so that I have a better ability to harness some of that information. Like uh, as we're talking, different ideas come up and I bring up little notepads where I drop notes down and I save them under things. And literally when we hit a project, I'm like, I have a notepad on that. And I will go (laughs) and bring that out. And then I will trot that out. Like, here's my basic idea. Let me know if this goes forward or if it goes into the next project. And I literally can do that. Or if I'm really bored and I've got terrible writer's block, I will literally go through my my notepads, uh, mm-hmm. uh, either electronic or or hard copy. Mine and, are all physical. I have post it notes all over everything. And, uh, uh, and, and I will then just start filling out in our Google Docs, uh, like, yeah. okay, here's this basic thing and let's see where this goes or what have you. So I, I'm always putting down ideas. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't even think I told these guys this, but one of the factions that's in this book um, I, that I wrote called the Ember Weavers, they're basically like techno mages, right? That's basically what their whole spiel is. Um, but they all started with a single line in a notepad that was um, uh, mages plus scientists equal fighter jets. And that was it. That's all that it said. Uh, and from there, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's true. D and D notes, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's the D and D is stuff. With the dash notes. next to it, what is this? Three yeah, questions. Exactly. Marks. What is? What does this mean? What? You know. Uh, yeah. I that's have why I don't a drink note anymore. that says "sassy art assassin," like an assassin <laughs> that kills people with their artwork. There is a note <laughs> on my desk that says that. That's, that's all the context I have with it. I, but do you need more? Beautiful. Do you need more no. context? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, Even if you don't remember the original context, you can make up new stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you are interested in, I mean, you, we've this, we've talked for over an hour about D and D and TTRPGs and our love for them, the mechanics mm. and the community building. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to help grow and foster that kind of mindset, that kind of point of view, definitely check out Tabletop Journeys. Check out the Traveler's Guide to Factions. It's live right now. There is a link mm-hmm. in the show notes. Check it yep. out. Um, these three are, are, you know, dice rollers after my own heart. Uh, Absolutely. The, Check out I, all like, of the older yeah. stuff as well. On oh, yeah. Look, like I said, Get yourself the... ready for this next edition yeah. to yeah. what these gentlemen are building, this beautiful library that you guys well, are thank building. You very much. There will so be a link to that. the to their DMs mm-hmm. Guild uh, page as well. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about, you know, what y'all are building. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's stuff that I would want to make myself. And that might be the highest praise that I could give a content yeah. creator. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Sergio's just yeah. like, I want to 
do it. <laughs> well, you know, flappy hands. bigger, better projects need bigger, better writers, right? So we'll yep. be in touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's stuff that I that I would want to write, stuff that I would want to play, some stuff that I would want on my bookshelf, like yeah. the Dragonlance Companion book that That's, I have on my shelf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in See, fact, the journey of the, the tower initiate in that book is some of the writing we are most proud of. That, that yeah, for sure was was yeah. fantastic. Ooh, and the mechanics we that, came up with that. The, the story behind the story that appears on those pages is so important to uh, the three of us in general, uh, yeah. but really came from a deep, deep part of me, the, a part of us where it's like we look in the world and we're like, there's an analog for this within Dragonlance. Yeah. And this is our discussion about something that's happening in our real world in this game sense and i don't want to say that it's not fun it's not meant to be heavy in that regard but it is definitely uh the story behind the story is definitely something that when you play that adventure uh when you run that at your tables you are gonna get a piece of um something and the idea is to really get people thinking about um the nature of what it means for someone to be true to themselves um, and, and, mm. and, and feel good about that in the context of a world that largely is against them. Uh, so I'll let our readers and I'll let your audience kind of think about what that might have come from. Uh, but I think when you, when you play that adventure or for storytellers, when they read that, they'll have a better idea of where we're coming from with that. Uh, but suffice it to say that we stand with the people who have been um, railed against, fought against, uh, that don't feel that they have the ability to be themselves in the world. And we wrote a game that was about that. We wrote a game so that that our players players have the ability to help somebody in that position. Because I awesome. think that's true heroism. And that's what I really like about that. Against the amazing backdrop of Dragonlance. But uh, we're very proud of that particular work. All of our work in general we're proud of. That was one that um, I felt really strongly about. <laughs> and no, like, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Mary and I have always been huge advocates of the only thing that the only thing that doesn't belong at a TTRPG table is intolerance. Yes, yep. absolutely. That's the only yep. thing I'm intolerant of. It's intolerance and uh, bigotry. Yep. Yep. I have no yep. purpose for that in my world or orbit at all. Yep. Absolutely. And well, thank you uh, so much, Lee, Josh, yes. and Glenn. Uh, we're excited about the future of Tabletop Journeys. Uh, oh, yeah. We hope to be able to talk to you again soon and like yeah, i said absolutely. everything that we've discussed everything that is is um that they've uh created everything that they're about to create is linked in the show notes check it out we'll be posting about it on all of our social medias the the x twitters the twitter x's whatever it's called nowadays <laughs> uh you know threads mastodon blue sky if, yeah. if those things are still alive i'm not exactly sure i'm not <laughs> exactly knows, yeah, social so. media used to make sense just it's a just year kind ago. of a wasteland <laughs> right. right now. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wandering. What the hell happened? Yeah, that's you know, right. Um, oh. But yeah, so for sure, we'll definitely uh, we'll we'll trumpet these things yeah. to to the uh, to yeah, the highest. For sure. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. We're gonna have to have you over in our house soon. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, this a wonderful experience. Thank you for giving us the avenue to talk about our book, talk about our gaming and gaming styles. Like, uh, oh, of course. Uh, I, I I am proud to say that we had a great time sitting on your couch talking about these things <laughs> as well so <laughs> great y'all are, y'all are so welcome much. y'all are welcome to talk dnd with us anytime Trust. it's true Fantastic. it's true excellent well thank you for listening my name is sergio and i'm mary 
fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DD Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.com.